Welcome to the Grace at Last podcast. Here we hope you find freedom from religion and traditions passed down by man that God never intended for us to struggle with. Let's quit looking around us and begin to look within at God in us and realize all we need is already there. Together, guided by the Holy Spirit, let's learn what God really thinks of us and discover what is pleasing to Him. I think we're going to find out it's a whole lot easier than what we thought. Hi, Corrine here for episode 18 of our Grace at Last podcast. In our last episode, episode 17, we talked about 1 John 1.9 and we asked the question, are Christians required to ask God for forgiveness? And if they do, will he give it to them? We asked if confessing our sins for the purpose of forgiveness even makes sense in light of the new covenant, or is it a waste of time? like a hamster wheel that keeps us busy, but really gets us nowhere. We're dramatic, expressive, we're so sorry, sweating, downtrodden, all trying to show God how sorry we really are. And the whole time the message that we're telling God is that we want his son to get back on the cross and to suffer more because the first time didn't really complete my forgiveness. We probably don't put it into words like that, but it's what we believe or we wouldn't be asking for more forgiveness. And I'm not trying to offend anyone, but this obsession that we have with confessing our sins for forgiveness, it's a lie. We're forgiven and now we need to move on. We need to be living this new life in Christ that being forgiven has pretty much provided the way that we could receive his life in us and grow up and go on to maturity. And today I want to look at that some more because I think when we look further into John's letter in 1 John, we can divide the groups of people into those that are lost and those that are saved. And John and every other author in the Bible uses light to refer to saved people and darkness to refer to those who are lost. And to review just a little bit from last week, let's look at this epistle that the Apostle John wrote to this church that was beginning to believe that Jesus had not come in the flesh. Some believe this letter was written regarding something called Gnosticism among the believers. And this was a group of people that believed that sin was not real, that Jesus did not come in the flesh and pay for sin. Why would he pay for sin if sin wasn't real, if it didn't exist? They believed that all matter was evil. And since flesh is matter, well, Jesus would not have come in the flesh. They believed that everything was spiritual, and they claimed to have this special revelation from God. And John is writing this letter to kind of set the record straight. And he's saying that we saw, we heard, we touched, we felt the Jesus of Nazareth that came in the flesh to pay for mankind's sin by one offering. The whole world is invited to come into a oneness with God through Christ's life in them. Sin has been paid in full, and now come receive life. And John wants to invite those that are in darkness to come into the light and to have fellowship with them. And the verse that gets us into trouble is 1 John 1, nine. But if we look at it logically, if we look at it in context, 
that verse cannot be speaking to believers. If we begin in verse 7, John says, If we walk in the light, as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So he's speaking to a group of people that walk in the light with God. They have fellowship with one another. They've been cleansed from all sin by the blood of Jesus. And then John goes on to refer to a different group of people, to those that claim to be without sin, that sin isn't really real, those that are deceived, those that don't have the truth in them. And this is what he says in verse 8, 1 John chapter 1. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. So John is addressing people that are believing the lie that I mentioned earlier and that sin isn't real. He says that if we believe that we are without sin, the truth is not in us. And then in verse 9, John says, if we confess our sins, which means that we agree with God about sin, that he's faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Do we see what the church has done? We've snagged this verse out of the middle of two verses clearly speaking to those that are in darkness, and we try to use it to keep ourselves forgiven, but it doesn't make sense. If we look at the book as a whole, and we don't grab verses out of context, then we're going to understand that it cannot make sense to be directed toward a believer. Again, chapter 1 is speaking about two groups of people, those in the light, those that are saved, a part of the body of Christ, and those in darkness that are believing lies and not practicing the truth. So let's look at chapter 1, verses 7 through 10, and see what we can learn. And we're going to go on to chapter 2, and we're going to do a contrast. But in chapter 1, see if you can agree with me that John is speaking to those that do not have fellowship with the Father, those that are in darkness. And in verse 7 of chapter 1 of 1 John, he says, If we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus his Son cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins... He is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. 1 John 1, 7 through 10. So I know I'm repeating myself and I know I'm spending a lot of time on this, but it's important. It's life-changing. It's going to change our perception of who God is and it's going to really increase our hope and our joy as we learn to live in the finished work of Jesus. Don't be one of those people who hang on to traditions of men that are man-made rules that are nowhere in the new covenant. And as I mentioned before, nowhere does the Bible say that this is something for us as Christians to do. In fact, it teaches us the opposite. The new covenant teaches us it's a done deal. And that old system of coming back again and again for more forgiveness, well, that system's over. Christ took it away. He took sin away. And we are completely and totally forgiven because Christ, well, he's just that good. 
And when we live in the reality of these truths, our life changes. And John continues in his letter in chapter 2 of 1 John, and even though there were not originally chapters and verses and divisions when the letters were written, this is a really good chapter division, separating chapter 1 and chapter 2. Chapter 1 again speaks to unbelievers not in fellowship with God and inviting them to come into fellowship not only with God but with other believers. Receive the forgiveness found in Christ and he will take away all of their unrighteousness and cleanse them with his blood. And now in chapter 2 he turns to believers. John says, my little children. And he says something very different to children of God if they sin. He doesn't say to confess it for the purpose of forgiveness and cleansing. I'm going to contrast chapter 1 with chapter 2 for the purpose of putting it into context and understanding chapter 1 that includes this verse, 1 John 1, 9, that says one is to confess their sin for the purpose of forgiveness. And if we look at chapter 2, verse 1, in contrast to chapter 1, verse 9. Chapter 2 says, My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. Now listen to what John says to do for those that are God's children when they sin. He doesn't say confess your sins and you'll be cleansed from all unrighteousness. He says, again, chapter 2, verse 1, My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, listen to this. We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. Isn't that different than confessing sins to be forgiven? But instead, understanding that we have an advocate, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. And so, if we sin, we have an advocate. His name is Jesus. And that is when we become children, little children, children of God. And then if you contrast chapter 2, verse 14, with chapter 1, verse 10, chapter 2, verse 14 says, John is writing, I have written to you, fathers, because you know him who has been from the beginning. I have written to you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the evil one. Wouldn't we have to agree that is definitely for a believer? We overcome when the one that overcame lives in us, and Jesus overcame. We learn all about that in Revelation. He is the overcomer. And in chapter 2, verse 14 of 1 John, he's writing to people, and he's saying, the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the evil one. But in chapter 1, that I believe is to unbelievers, in verse 10, he says, If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a lighter, and his word is not in us. The difference, chapter 1, the word is not in us. Chapter 2, the word of God abides in you. What a contrast. And then in chapter 2, verse 21, we hold it up next to chapter 1, verse 8. In chapter 2, written to believers, In verse 21, I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it, and because no lie is of the truth. That's chapter 2, verse 21. But in chapter 1, verse 8, 
If we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves, and the truth is not in us. What a contrast. Chapter 1, the truth is not in us. Chapter 2, I've written to you, not because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it. And so again, to summarize, chapter 1, in verses 8 and 9 and 10, this is what John is saying. If we say that we have no sin, we're deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him out a liar and his word is not in us. Obviously, unbelievers. Chapter 2, verse 1. My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. I've written to you, fathers, because you know him who has been from the beginning. I have written to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the evil one. Verse 21, I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it and because no lie is of the truth. So I am absolutely convinced that 1 John 1, 9 is written for the lost, and it's a call to salvation, an appeal to come in and have fellowship with the body of Christ and with God the Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. It's an invitation. But what's happened? The church leaders, well, we've been duped by the leaders and the people of God told to think that it's a requirement to keep ourselves forgiven. And I'm not saying it's always intentional. Sometimes leaders don't know. And that's why it's so important that we spread the message. But the church has us coming back for more. More forgiveness. More anointing. More intimacy. More closeness. Communion served by the elevated elders. Worship singers that are so anointed that they bring us into the presence of the Lord. And on the traditions go. But we have to wake up and realize that if we are of that mindset, we are deceived. Everything we need dwells, lives, resides inside of me. He's made his home in me. And the church is not someplace that I go or a member that I belong to. I belong to the body of Christ. I'm a member of his body and he is the head. And all that man-made traditions to keep our 501c3 corporations flowing and moving forward, well, that's just not anything that God is asking of us. Again, those are traditions that are man-made. And if you want to be a part of it and you enjoy it, then I don't think there's anything wrong with it. But I think we need to wake up to what is being taught and what we're hearing from the pulpit. And make sure that we're not being put under the law, but that we are being pointed to the new covenant that Jesus completed it all and that it is finished. But we have to wake up and realize that, again, everything we need is inside of us. And this subject, it trips a lot of people up. And we are teaching others that there's more to do. There's more forgiveness to receive. All you have to do is ask. Well, forgiveness costs a lot more than throwing up a request. You know, throwing a request up to the Lord is not going to get it. 
Forgiveness for sin, it requires blood. Hebrews 9.22 says, Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. The Old and New Covenant system for forgiveness between God and man takes blood, both, again, the Old and the New. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And when we continue to keep sin as the focus of our lives, we never zero in on what really matters. And that's Him, His life in us. And the people who have received an inheritance that is out of this world, and we get to start spending it now, but we need to know about it. We can be anxious for nothing. We can trust God no matter what this life brings our way. I heard this morning a young man, only 22 years old, in a motorcycle accident, asking, crying out for prayer, not knowing if he's going to live. Life can be hard, but we can live stable. And no matter what comes our way, we can trust God. We can have fellowship with God through the Holy Spirit in us. We can have fellowship with one another. We can experience the peace that passes understanding. We can live with a confident hope and have hopeful lives because God is just that good. And we can laugh and forgive and enjoy and appreciate every single aspect of life because this life does not hold the power to overtake us because we are the overcomer, right? Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And if you listen to episode 16, where I shared that a couple of friends and I thought we had to wear masks with one another in certain areas of our lives, well, when we're so focused on sin, that's what happens. We don't have real relationships, at least not to the depth that's available. We wear masks and we hide behind this perception of what we want others to think is true about us. Well, I'll tell you that you're listening to someone who has had good relationships I'm just saying that compared to the relationships that I have today, well, there really is no comparison. Somebody said to me the other day, we who believe and live by grace aren't trying to get away with anything, but we got away with everything. And understanding that Christ completely took care of everything at the cross, well, we can be transparent with one another. And the price that he paid, it doesn't make me want to sin. Anybody that would say that the grace of God causes us to sin more needs to take a look at their own heart because that's where the real problem is. Anybody that would say or think that understanding God's graciousness would cause us to want to be disobedient or disappointing or live sloppy, well, that person is just deceived and they don't understand. They don't understand God's unconditional love and acceptance in the finished work of Christ. And I'm not trying to offend anyone. I'm not trying to hurt anyone. My desire is freedom for us. Freedom from lies that keep us in bondage. In fact, I'm going to be judged and probably talked about for saying this because the devil wants to protect this lie with everything he has. But I'm going to say the truth anyway. And I say it because... If you're tempted to be offended, I want you to know that I'm coming from a place of love. But are you more conscious of your sin than you are of Jesus? Hebrews 3.1, it says, consider Jesus. That means to carefully understand, meditate upon, 
and think on Jesus and what he has done, not on ourselves and what we have done, whether that's good or bad. Don't get me wrong. Confession, it's good and it's healthy. It just doesn't get us forgiveness. Only blood buys that. And that got finished at Calvary. Confessing means agreeing with God. And we should agree with God about everything, even our sin. Why? Because he's always right. In the book of Hebrews, it talks to a group of people that were in the new covenant, but they were bringing over some old covenant traditions and requirements as kind of an insurance plan. I'm going to believe in Jesus, but I'm also going to continue to sacrifice and live under the law of Moses and the old covenant traditions just to be sure. I mean, what's it going to hurt, right? If I have just a little bit of law mixed in with grace? Well, there's a lot wrong with that. Because the old covenant law was a ministry of death and condemnation. And Jesus fulfilled it and he brought in something better. And there is such conflicting opinions about this subject. I do understand that. And I do want to be sensitive to that. Because sometimes when we have believed a certain way for so long, It takes a little bit of time for our thinking to change. And sometimes we have so much respect for our teachers and pastors that we would never want to go against the common theology in the church. And I understand that. And I appreciate that. We should respect and consider others and the impact that our beliefs will have. That's the beauty of the new covenant. Those who have the Holy Spirit, they have a new heart. They have God's heart. And he's going to show us and he's going to lead us. And if we truly listen to the Spirit, we'll be safe. We can trust our new heart. However, there are people who are just stubborn. And even though the truth is staring them right in the face, they cannot admit that they were wrong. They would rather stay in bondage than have to admit a lot of what we've been taught and believed a lot of our lives just isn't true. And that's okay. We get there when we get there. I'm there and I'm happy that I'm there. But you know what? I'm still growing every single day. And I admit it. Some of the old stuff I believed and I taught, well, it was wrong. And that is easy for me to say. I'm sorry for anything that I taught wrong. Of course, I don't feel good about it. But I'm only responsible for what I know today. Living under shame and guilt and condemnation isn't going to help anything. It's not going to make anything better. I learned it from the teachers before me, and I passed it down to others. But the second I heard the message of God's grace, I instantly knew that it was true. And I have never questioned it, not once. And it has been over two years. And the intimacy and the joy and the love, well, it just continues to grow every single day. And I get messages from other people daily that are being set free from religion and so many things like alcohol and cigarettes and shame and guilt, fear and judgment and control. I could go on and on. It is so exciting. And every time I ask why, what do you think it is? They say, oh, I know what it is. It's the goodness of God. It's the kindness of the Lord. It's his grace and his total forgiveness and acceptance that's made me fall in love with him like never before. Isn't that wonderful? People who have been born again for 10, 20, 30 years and never known an intimacy like this, 
The grace of God in Jesus teaches us to say no to ungodliness. It helps us to live holy and upright today in our now. And the law, well, it stirs up sin. It makes us want to sin. It keeps us focused on sin. And I said earlier, it's like being born again again. But I think this is even better than that. When I became born again 23 years ago, I had a blind faith. I had a faith in what others told me and my best interpretation of scriptures and really, honestly, just an overwhelming sense of God's love. And I have all of that today, but I have more. I have all of my experiences and God's faithfulness to appreciate him in my life. I have a deep understanding of the old and the new covenant and how rich and beautiful the new covenant is when it's held up next to the old. I have a better understanding of the sacrifice Christ made for me and the oneness that I get to share with him through the Holy Spirit in me. I have a better understanding of his perfect love that casts out all fear. I have the revelation that Jesus provided everything necessary to satisfy the Father on my behalf. And now I can enjoy this incredible inheritance that gives me wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. I could sit here with you for hours and never run out of the beauty of God's plan of redemption for a people that he loves. And being a teacher and sharing this incredibly good news is one of my very favorite things to do in my life. And I pray today you have a deeper understanding of what Jesus finished for us and how by faith we can enter that promised land of rest for our souls. What is our soul? It's our mind, our will, our emotions. Rest for our thoughts, what we want, our feelings. We can rest. And and when we have a deeper understanding of the finality of the cross, well, that's what enables us to live in this rest. It's rest from the inside out. And I pray that you know his rest today. Well, that's going to wrap it up for me today as we discuss this preoccupation we have with focusing on sin, something that Jesus took away. And I hope you join me next time on episode 19 as we take a look at what we should do when we sin. I mean, let's face it, we sin. And so what do we do to express our grief to the Father when we fall short? If we're born again, we do not want to sin. And when we do, we feel bad. Let's look at what God has to say so that we can be confident in this unbroken fellowship and acceptance that we have with our Father. Thank you so much for joining us today for our Grace at Last podcast. We hope you learned a truth that will set you free and keep you living in the It Is Finished promise Jesus declared at the cross. Go to lastministry.org to learn more about who we are and what we're all about as we share this incredible inheritance God has given us in His Son.